folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. Times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is July 31st, 2019. This is episode 2482 of the Survival Podcast, and that means it's interview day. I'll tell you who we got coming on the air today. We have a, a gal named Ray Barden, and she is here to talk to us about lessons learned from writing 50,000 words in one month. Uh, she's part of an organization called National Novel Writing Month. And the goal of National Novel Writing Month is it's November every year. It's been going on for well over a decade now. And um, you try to write a 50,000-word novel in 30 days, which is about 1,667 words um a day for 30 consecutive days. It's quite challenging, as you might imagine. And I know you might be thinking, like, what does this have to do with prepping and what have you? Well, I thought the same thing. In fact, when the guest form came in, uh, I pushed it off to file 13. I didn't notice it was from Ray. I do know Ray from social media, specifically MeWe, more than anything else. Uh, if I had seen it was her, I might have done a little more follow-up. And then she pegged me on MeWe and said, hey, I sent you a form, never heard nothing. So well, I don't know what you're talking about. She started telling me about it, and I was like, well, I bet I know what that is. So fortunately, I file 13 it, but didn't permanently file 13 it. Pulled it back out. said, I, I got it. I will get Dorothy in touch with you. And if it wasn't her, I probably wouldn't have brought her on. Because yeah, I'd be like you. What, what does this have to do with prepping? Well, she actually made a pretty good pitch for it, and the interview went fantastically. Um, it won't be everybody's cup of tea, certainly not every bit of it, because not everybody wants to write a book. But if you're just thinking novel, I don't want to write a novel. Well, the good news is you don't have to be a, it doesn't have to be a novel. It's just writing is what it really is. It can be anything. It's really cool. I think you're really going to enjoy it, and we'll dig into that here in just a bit. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor today, number one today, Harvest Eating. That's the awesome Chef Keith Snow. Guy's been helping out our community now for like eight-plus years. Uh, member of the Expert Council, and he teaches you how to cook seasonally and locally. He's got great seasonings, uh, great f courses on how to cook, uh, great blog, great YouTube channel, even did a podcast for a while. It's still available. You can find all of that and more at his website, which is harvesteating.com. Next up, Jeff the Berkey Guy Gleason. I think the Berkey water filtration system is something that's been around long enough and is well-known enough that it speaks for itself. You know that if you get a Berkey water filtration system, you're going to be drinking the highest quality water. You know that it can't really break. It either works or it doesn't. That's how it works. It works on gravity. There's no moving parts in it. It looks great. It makes great tasting, safe-to-drink water. So that part we know. We want a Berkey. Well, if you're going to get a Berkey or parts for your Berkey, new filters, what have you, you want to get them from the original Berkey guy, Jeff the Berkey guy Gleason, because, one, supports this show and has, again, for over eight years. Two, absolute maniac at customer service. We'll never leave you hanging. If something goes wrong, he will get it fixed for you. Three, because he's one of the biggest dealers for Berkey in the world, you're going to get the best pricing that you're going to find you're going to get from Jeff the Berkey guy Gleason at directive21.com. So check them out there. Uh, next up, uh, just want to uh, remind you guys that if you like this show and you want to help support us, easiest way you can do that is become a member of the Member Support Brigade. To do that, just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on Members to learn more. The big thing is you support the show at 18.3 cents an episode. That's how the math works out. 
and then you get a whole bunch of discounts. You use those discounts every year, you get your money back. It's that simple. It really makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Support the show that you like, that you give your time to, uh, that helps you out in your life, and then just get your money back so it's like you didn't really have to spend any money in the first place. In fact, a lot of people do tell me that they they make a profit on the MSB every year. So I have people that have been around uh, since we launched it nine years ago. We've run the MSB for nine years now. I've got customers of the program that have been around for nine years say they're never going to leave because why would they? I even had one guy say, if you ever piss me off and I don't like you anymore, I'm still keeping it because it makes me money, so why wouldn't I? That's the kind of product I tried to put together. That's why it makes sense to become a member of the Support Brigade. With that, let's go ahead and dig on into it. Let's bring our special guest on now, Ray Barton. Awesome gal, uh, really into helping people. That's what I really like about Ray. Uh, really great view of the world. She has an awesome business we'll talk a little bit about today, uh, making drinking horns, like Viking mead horns. Uh, and the, the, what I like about her mead horns is it doesn't taste like brain when you drink at them because they're sealed. Uh, somebody brought me a mead horn once, and you can guess who it is, and Michael Jordan, and uh, wasn't sealed. And when I put some, I tried water first because I don't want to risk my mead. I'm glad I did. It tasted like brain. Uh, that's the only way I can describe it. Brain does not taste good, by the way. Um, but Ray's horns make mead taste like mead, and wine tastes like wine. So you might want to pick one of those up. I'll make sure there's a link to where people can get her drinking horns as well today. Uh, but with that, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about. Writing 50,000 words in a month and what that can teach us and help us out with as preppers, entrepreneurs, and homesteaders. With that, hey, Ray, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thanks, Jack. How are you doing? I'm great. Glad to have you on today. We're going to be talking about writing a novel in a month, a 50,000-word novel in a month. I think it'll be cool because I think a lot of people in this audience are aspiring writers, Some maybe want to do novels, some maybe want to do other things, but getting those juices flowing and getting the writing done, great. I think if you're going to write a book, it's entrepreneurial, so that's something we talk about all the time. And you even say there can be some things related to being a better prepper with writing a novel. So I think it's going to be a great interview, but before we dig into that, tell us who, who the heck Ray is. Like, Take us back to, like, I don't know, you're in high school, spacing out in study hall or something, and you got to figure out what to do with your life. How do you end up kind of where you are now? Well, I always wanted to be a teacher. My husband saved me from the government school system, actually. So we homeschool our three-year-old. But I always wanted to be a teacher. And I have always been interested in English, in writing, in Shakespeare, in all the things that you probably were like, why did we have to read this stuff? Like, that's totally my thing. So I've actually been writing for a while. I started in middle school in just journals longhand. They were not anything worth mentioning other than that's when I started because they were a mess. It's gotten better. I did get my degree in English in literature, so I have a bachelor. But it doesn't do me any good because let me tell you, you do not need a degree hmm. to write. <laughs> you do not. But... I greatly enjoyed it. My uh, concentrations were in Shakespeare and Stephen King. So, okay. couple of, co yeah. <laughs> it sounds hilarious, but like those are my interests, and I write to what I want to read. So that's who I am. I am also Ray of Viking and Weaver. We do historical reenactment of the Viking Age. 
sell drinking horns, hand fasting cords, that kind of thing. But that's my normal business. And once a month, uh, or not once a month, I apologize. Mm. Once a year, I volunteer to help people write novels. So what is Nano Mo? I think that's how we say that. <laughs> and, and, and how did it start? National Novel Writing Month, which is NaNoWriMo, or NaNoWriMo, if you can't stop pronouncing it wrong, because that's me. I always say NaNoWriMo. But uh, it started in July of, 19, of 1999. It was a group of 23, 20-somethings who just said, we're tired of waiting for one day to come. It's not on the calendar. We're going to take this month, and we're going to write novels. And they expected them. To be a mess, which they were, <laughs> they expected it to be a horrible experience and to never want to talk about it again. But they discovered something really cool. They discovered that writing can be fun. Like they, the way they handled it, they got all together and they typed together and talked and got muffin crumbs all over their keyboards. And probably the look and feel of that would have scared any academic writer like you're supposed to write in your office in the dark hunched over your keyboard by yourself or and at starbucks were, or at starbucks or starbucks uh, that's acceptable too <laughs> yes that is acceptable too uh, sometimes we have write-ins at starbucks okay <laughs> but it's not it's not supposed to be fun <laughs> and they discovered it can be fun And ever since then, Chris Beatty, who is the person who started this, has, he is head of headquarters, or at least he was, I believe he's stepped down now, but he still participates yearly. And he went, well, this was great. Let's bring this to other people. So the first year it was in November was in 2000. And it has been going strong since then. And from 23 people in the San Francisco Bay Area, It's grown to over 34,000 people globally with 972 municipal liaisons like myself, spanning over 646 regions as of 2017. So you said that like the goal is to write a novel of 50,000 words over a month. So 30 days, 31 days, I guess November, 30 days. Mm -hmm. um, what does that break down into? Like... Because it's the one bite of the elephant at a time type thing. Oh, yeah. Or my favorite Stephen King quote for when they ask him how he writes. One word at a time, baby. That's all it is. One word at a time. Now, having said that, it's, it's that hard and that easy. But it breaks down to 1,667 words a day. That's just short of seven pages double-spaced. Or if you like single-spaced, it's about four pages. So your novel will be 125 pages total, which is technically a novella, but it doesn't really matter. It's semantics. It's about the length of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Actually, Hitchhiker's Guide is shorter okay. than 50,000 words. So, so that, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, there's some um, apps that help you write more words. There are writing egg timers like Write or Die or Written Kitten. One punishes you if you don't write fast enough. The other one rewards <laughs> you. So depending on the type of person you are, 
you can get rewarded or punished. I don't use either of those. I actually use an online game called For the Words where you write so many words in a certain time limit and it defeats monsters and you level up and it's a role-playing game, which really appeals to me and makes November so much fun, (laughs) which, like I said, is the idea. Awesome. So how do you think that this project can help people further their goals uh, as a writer or maybe in just in life well jack to further your goals as a writer i mean get setting aside the time just to sit down as my co-ml jen says and button seat hands on keyboard is certainly a great first step to meeting a writing goal because just thinking about it's not going to get anywhere And it also helps you effectively start a new habit. So you're taking the time to sit down and write 50,000 words, seven pages a day. And if you can figure out how to do that, you can take that habit and you could put it into your preps. You could go, hmm, I don't really want to write a novel again. So what preps have I been putting off because I just can't find the time? Because now, obviously, I have that time. Like emergency procedures, emergency binders, you could take the time to write those. You could do that in November or you could do that after November. And that's something like even I haven't done and I know (laughs) I need to do it, especially (laughs) since I was listening to your podcast on the car preps. And I was like, man, maybe that needs to be my nano project this year because I really need to do that. It's it's totally free, and it's one of the best forms of preparedness a person can do. And I I do believe very few people do it, actually. I mean, Well, this can be an incentive. Spend November and do it. Take an hour or two a day and just sit down and get it done. Because once it's done, other than updating, it's like building a website. Other than, you know, a little bit of content here or there, it's done. And it's getting it started that's scary. And even if you don't want to do it in November, if you face down that big blank page, which is can be terrifying, as I'm sure you know, since you're writing a novel yourself. It's not a novel. It's a book. Yes, your book yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's not a novel. Um, That big blank page can be scary. And once you overcome it, it gets easier in some ways. You know, it's for me with writing, it's it's not blank page it's getting to part of a book that has to go into that book and having kind of writer's block on that part that that's where i struggle with with my books i'll get to something like you know i'm writing 30 laws of life so you get to like law 17 or whatever and you're like it's gonna be a really thin chapter and that's okay but i got you know like this is a thing it's got to go in there and you just kind of get stuck and I think the advantage of something like this project is you got to write something, come back and fix it if it sucks, right? But you got to you, you got to get your your page count in for the day. Oh yeah, and we actually have coping tools for stuff like that. Um, you can hop around. You can go. Well, I don't feel like I can do seventeen today, but I could do twenty, and then you could just skip sure. ahead and do twenty. Or my co Jen has a great tip where you like pick out your favorite book you pick a random page and you just start copying a paragraph because just the act of writing sometimes can get rid of that block writing anything 
Now, obviously, you don't keep it in there after November, but it would get rid of the block and allow you to go further because writing block totally happens. And I'll have parts where I'm like, oh, why am I writing this? We actually call it the wall. It usually happens in the second week because you're so excited during week one that you just write and write and write. By week two, you're like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? So we have, we send out regional emails for St. Louis, which is where I am. And we have coping tools for that, which is why I recommend like the writing egg timers and for the words and plot devices. I actually have like three boards on Pinterest that are just devoted to like quote prompts and character prompts and plot prompts and just Things that will unstick me if I get stuck or I can write a short story or something. Because what you write doesn't have to be all the same thing. You can write different things, and it will still count. So, yeah, that's what I was going to get to. Like You've mentioned kind of you could be doing something different with this process. But if you're involved in this actual thing, this this uh, – let me try to say it again. NaNoWriMo, right? NaNoWriter's <laughs> yeah. Month, right? Um, does it have to be a novel? Can somebody that's writing a book like me participate in this or is like, go find your own thing? Oh, no, you can't. It, when it started, it was strictly novels, but it has branched out, and now it is no longer novels. For example, last year, the first week of November, my grandma and my cat died within 24 hours, and it was the, the month was rough. It was a mess. So I ended up including all of my communications that were nano-related into my novel to make my word count. So even I have done it. You could write blog posts. You can go to answerthepublic.com, find out what people are asking about your products or your services, and you could answer them in blog posts, and that can count. You could write 30-minute podcast scripts. Did you know that it takes 10,000 words to cover 30 minutes? I did not know that. Hmm. So think how many, well, I know you don't write scripts, you yeah. do bullet points, yeah. but if you were to write out a script for one of your podcasts, yeah. that would be like 30,000 words a day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. You could, you could do marketing emails to grow your business, which is something that I'm working on right now. We've had people do graphic novels. You could do video descriptions. You could write product tutorials for the things you do for your businesses. Or if you really wanted to go long-winded, you could do a business plan. Again, the things people put off that they need to be taken care of. Sit down and write your business plan. So pretty much it's open to whatever you want to do with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, technically, it's against the rules, but technically you could write chicken 50,000 times because nobody's going to read it. <laughs> I don't recommend doing it. Sure. One, it breaks the rules. Point. It's pointless. And, and it's not fun. Yeah. I mean, for what? Some coupons? I mean, it's 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 just not worth it. So then clearly, you know, we hear novels, we think fiction. It doesn't have to be fiction. It can be somebody that was working on a historical book could do this. Oh, yeah, we've had people do genealogy during November, or at least they've told us that's what they're going to do. And sometimes we see them again, and sometimes we don't. Our region is really, really large. We have like a 1,000 members. 
So some people are very extroverted and go to events, and some people stay home behind their computer and just log into the chat room sometimes. So we get to hear about what everybody's doing in October when we hold workshops, which we do. And they just, I, we had somebody write a treatise on autism one year. That was an interesting idea. And like I said, we've had genealogy. We've had somebody do 50,000 haikus or something like that. Huh. <laughs> I mean, just the the possibilities are endless. And you can bring your preps into that. And you can definitely bring your business into that. Because the online market is so complicated and there's just so much to it, to building your brand, that I think that this could really work positively for the entrepreneurs that are having problems finding the time to sit down and write things. Because like my husband, they're too busy making things. He engraves, he blacksmiths, he does leather work. He started woodworking. He just never has time to sit down and write things. Now he's got me, which is lucky since I'm actually a writer. <laughs> but if you are so busy doing things that you haven't gotten the things written down that you need to, like your product descriptions and so on, you could actually use this month to take the time and get it done. Or like I said, blog posts, you could write 50 blog posts in the month. So you could do a thousand word blog posts. That's not a very long blog post, right? And then you'd have a blog post for every week of the year, just about. You know, that's actually a really great tip there. I don't know who it was. It was somebody in the MeWe chat on Monday that was saying that they had their blog up. And they were trying to figure out how to do their first post. And you know me, I'm like, yeah, it sounds like an excuse, right? Like, And I think that for people that want to start blogs, like, write, write, and just accept this. Your first few posts, no one is going to read it. Even your best friends would be like, yeah, it was pretty good. They didn't read it. They just said that so you'll leave them alone, and that's good because it lets you find your voice and find what you really, you know, really want to do. Like, if you want to check this, see how many people don't read stuff like that. And they're like your, your first friends and family stuff. You tell them to read your blogs. Put something in there about them that's not true, like they came from space aliens or something. And when you ask, you'll be like, so, so Tom, what did you think of my blog post? Oh, it was pretty good, man. Yeah, did you see the part about you in there? Nah, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, so you're cool <laughs> with being a space alien baby. What? I mean, I'm telling you, like, that's how it is. And it needs to give people freedom because I see this all the time. And it's podcasts. It's blogs. It's writing books. It's anything like that. People come up with a million reasons to not do what they say they want to do because they're not ready yet. They're not good enough yet. They don't know how. And whoever it was with the blog, I was like, here's a link to like how to do that. And all I did was type in how to make a post in WordPress. And there it is. So, like, get going. So... That's what I kind of like about this. Like, you're going to sit down and you're going to have to knock out like 1,660 odd words a day on day one, uh, which I think is pretty cool. How long on average does that take, though, like for a person to actually write about 1,667 words, I think is what you said. Yeah, it's uh, 1,667. For me, it takes me around one to two hours. It's actually closer to an hour, but I am one of the faster typers in our region, which is amazing because I didn't take any classes. I do stream of consciousness writing, so I kind of just imagine 
what I'm writing and then I write down what I see in my imagination and it works really well for me. Um, for an average person, between one to three hours, but you're not talking about something that you have to sit at the computer and do necessarily. Like you did Jack back in the Jetta days, you could get a recorder and record yourself on your commute and just say your story and then transcribe it later. We have people who do that. You could use Dragon Speak if you can get it to function properly, which I've never had any luck with, but I also can't talk out loud when I'm writing because it's too distracting for my personal process. Um, what else could you do? You can do Word Wars. There are links in the NaNoWriMo website for setting them up. Basically what you do is you set a word timer, or not a word timer, I'm sorry, an egg timer for a certain amount of time and you see how many words you can write. And then you try to beat that every time, which okay. I really enjoy, uh, which is why I can write 1,600 words in an hour. <laughs> um, let's see. For the average person, oh, you can write. You could do like Stephen King always has a book in his back pocket and he reads in grocery lines. You could jot down some short lines of dialogue while you're sitting in the grocery line or on your breaks at work. Or you just you fit it in where you can. You don't necessarily have to devote a chunk of your evening like I do to writing. You can fit it in anywhere. I think that's true. I think that's how you get these things done, regardless of exactly what we're talking about, is you fit it in where you can. Um, you kind of mentioned already some ideas, but you say this could help people with their preps. Any any more on that? Yeah. Um, like I said, the emergency binder for the car. You could do your emergency procedures in case of problems at your homestead, whether that's GTFOing or staying there. You could use NanoRemo to do your permaculture design plan if you're taking a permaculture design course because that's a lot of writing that you've got to do. You could just sit down and write out all of your long-term goals and go through them and get detailed and go through like the Ramsey Total Money Makeover and figure out how long it's going to take you to pay off your debt. <laughs> and having said that, it doesn't have to be fiction if you think it would be fun you could totally toss two characters into a doomsday prepper plot line and see how well their preps work out. So do, you, do, do people win something here? I think you said something about coupons. Like, is this like a challenge where everybody wins? Not everybody wins. Now, everybody can win. Okay. But you have to write 50,000 words to do that. So I told you that we have over 34,000 members worldwide. Okay. Out of those, about 3,000 people win. Okay. So, could you win? Can everybody win? Absolutely. Does everybody win? No. Most people will drop after the first week or two because it's, it's not easy to write. It's, it sounds like something that should be easy, but it's, it's not because you have to sit down and you have to do it and it's, can be very, very challenging at times, which is why I love like our forums. I've sent you links to those where you can find other people who can help you when you're having hard times. Um, there are coupons like Scrivener every year has offered a 50% coupon. That is a program that was written by a writer for writers. So you can correlate 
your research, you can drop in music, you can drop in web pages, and you can have your document. It's all in one program, so you don't have 50 million windows up. It's like my favorite writing program ever. I do almost everything in Scrivener anymore, because if you copy and paste it, copy and paste as plain text, which is fantastic, and you can compile it into PDFs and Word docs and just do millions of things with it. And it's really helpful because you can set up project targets and you'll have an idea of where you are that day. So, like I said, everybody can win. But here's the thing. Even though everybody doesn't win, you're building your confidence to go forth and do other things that you didn't think that you could do. Like, I'm finding building business to be hard. But having done nano for so many years, I believe this is my seventh year doing nano. Yeah, this is my seventh year. Oh, my goodness. Um, I find that it's easier for me to tackle other challenges. Like right now, I'm taking our products around to breweries and local liquor stores to see if they would be interested in selling them or in consignment. And since I'm used to going out and approaching people for nano, it's far easier now that I have the confidence built to do that. And also, it's not a participation trophy thing. You're not going to win just for writing anything. You have to write 50,000 words or more. I mean, we have people who write 100, 200,000 words in a month. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. We have people in Australia who write 50,000 words in one day, and I don't know how they do that either. And I definitely don't recommend trying that your first year because (laughs) (laughs) eating and using the facilities is totally something you should be doing. Please don't try to do that. <laughs> we do have people who do it, and I don't know how they do it. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Um, you know, with all of this going on, is there any like does anybody come out of this and end up like? I think what you would really win is it. You get a book done, and it, it becomes on some level successful. So, is there any examples of that of people that have come out of this contest and you know? self-published a book or picked up a publisher or maybe writers that that do publish that that get involved with this because it stirs the creative juices or something like that? Oh, my goodness, yes. We have so many people who get published. Now, the caveat to this is do not submit to an agent or a publisher in December. Please do not do that. They hate (laughs) us. Okay, I imagine so, yeah. You need to sit on your stuff for at least a month, and it needs to go through two solid edits before anybody sees it, whether that's your grandma or your significant other or your cat. It doesn't matter. You really need two solid edits before you let other people see your work, because trust me, what you're doing in November is you're piling sand into the sandbox so you can build beautiful castles, because editing is building castles. So if you're sitting there in November and you're writing, and you're like, man, this is the messiest thing I've ever seen. Don't feel bad. Stephen King, George Martin, Rowling, Orwell, Hemingway, they all went through the same thing. I mean, it's its a thing. But as far as people who are Remos, I actually have quite a few here locally. We have Debbie Mamber-Kumpfer, who writes the Pause series. Um, who else? We have Lexi Dunn, who is... Po- Published by Harper Collins, she wrote Superheroes Anonymous and Villains Anonymous. She, it's actually a four-part series. It's really, really good. I'm looking at my bookshelf because 
I buy a lot of local books and I'm friends with a lot of the local authors through Nano. I met them all through Nano. So it's a great place to meet people who have actually published. And like Debbie publishes, she self publishes Misha Burnett. There we go. Who is a great guy. He's published. Now they all went through edits before they submitted to publishers or before they put it on Kindle. A thing to remember about Kindle publishing is Everybody is publishing on Kindle Publishing now. Like people who shouldn't be letting those works see the light of day yet are publishing on Kindle Publishing now. You can't see it, but I may be twitching. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, it's so if you're going to build a business around being an author, make sure that your stuff is polished. But this is a great way to get a rough draft started. Or even finished, if you can do one in 50,000 words. I have a finished novella that I finished in 2007 that wouldn't win Nano in its wildest dreams because it's too short. But that's still going through edits with an editor now because it's gotten to the point where it's beyond me. So it can take time. Now, usually it doesn't take 12 years, but it's no. <laughs> it's a passion project that I'm yeah. just kind of taking my time with. Usually it's one to two years. Stephen King post publishes, I think, two books a year. But I think he's written those books two to three years before they're actually published because of all of the stuff that go that is involved in that. And sometimes there are writing contests through Nano for first drafts. I don't know what the sponsors will be this year. I am positive Scrivener will be on there. But aside from that, at the moment, I don't know yet because they're not released until October. And here's a good thing about doing this interview today. You've got three months to prep. Talking about preps. Three months to prepare for NaNoWriMo. So you've got time to do any research that you may need to do because we say no research in November. I'm not saying whether we all listen to that or not, but supposed to be no research, no editing in November. You just sit down and you pile sand into that sandbox until it is overflowing. And then you can go in and remove words in December. Cuz that way you're doing you're writing. Yes. That's why you're that's why that rule is there. I'm getting a, a an appreciation for how much work that is with 50,000 words in a month. I just pulled up the draft of the book I'm working on that I'm a little over halfway done with, and it's 62,000 words. Um, it has taken me way more than a month to, to do that, way more than a month. And I was like, I'm, I'm flying through this thing. And, like, to, to, to think about condensing that into a month, is, is, it's, it's definitely challenging, which I guess was the point. Oh, yeah. It's supposed to be a challenge, and it definitely is. It, like I said, it can sound easy. Oh, 50,000 words, anybody can do that. Well, yes, I believe anybody can do that. But you have to be disciplined in order to get it done. Like, my first year as a municipal liaison, I was pregnant and trying to learn the ropes of coordinating an entire region and writing. And ever since then, obviously, I've had our three-year-old. And... Some days it's really hard to find the time to write. The first couple of years were so rough because she was always on me. And now, luckily, she's in her own bed and in her own bedroom. And now I'm getting much more time to myself to write. But I still had to figure out how to juggle her and my laptop, which usually involved turning on, you know, 
Japanese Iron Chef sitting on the futon in the living room with it laid out as a bed with her asleep next to me, typing as fast and feverishly as I could before she woke up. Absolutely. So th this whole thing runs as a non-profit then? Yes. National Novel Writing Month. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, how, how exactly does that work? I mean, how is that organized? And like, it's, it runs as a non-profit, so usually you don't bother doing that unless there's some money involved. Like, how does that all work? We are a 501c3 501c3 nonprofit. They work mainly from donations. 42% of the income for National Novel Writing Month comes from donations. 25% from sponsorships and 13% from foundations. A small amount, 11%, comes from the merch that they sell in the store, which is great stuff. I've seen the poster for this year. And I'm totally going to have to buy that because the artwork is exquisite this year. I may have drooled when I saw it because they just released the theme to the um, MLs a couple weeks ago. And it's super exciting because we get a new theme every year. Last year was now I'm going to blank. In 2017, it was space. And the year before that, it was libraries. So we do different themes every year, and they just released that we're doing time travel this year, which is going to be so fun. Yeah. Like, they've got, I have so many ideas for what we can do in the region for that, and that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm working with some people on MeWe to maybe run a T-shirt fundraiser for our region because the municipal liaisons, do not get reimbursement. All of the, like, grab bag goodies that we hand out, raffle items, things like that, they all come out of our pocket. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Everything we do in this region comes directly out of our own pockets. All the money that is given to us, we give right back to National Novel Writing Month. At the end of the month, uh, Jen handles it, and she puts a donation straight in in our name, and then we post how much it was. And that's awesome. So as far as expenses for the entire organization, 68 goes back to programs. That's classroom programs with kits and helping with literacy and writing and government schools. 25% goes to fundraising campaigns. That's usually on social media. And then only 7% of what they make a year goes to the headquarters personnel. There are less than 10 people who run the headquarters for National Novel Writing Month. So this is seriously a volunteer-led organization. And almost all the regions, I know there are some with corporate sponsors, and we are hoping one day to have some here. But we do it all out of our pockets and because we feel a call to service. Like, volunteering is my thing. I love helping people learn how to write. I love encouraging people So if anybody in the audience signs up for NaNoWriMo at NaNoWriMo.org, and I've sent you a link to that as well, and they're having problems, they can totally contact me if they go to the St. Louis region. I'm listed as a municipal liaison. I'm right there. Ray Lynn Barden is my username, It's at, and it's my actual name, so I'm really easy to find. Okay. And, I mean, so for people in general that want to get involved with this, this, this is basically a main website to get started at? 
Yes. NanoRemo.org is where you will find everything. That's N-A-N-O-W-R-I-M-O.org. You will find the sign-up, and it's a sign-up like any other websites. They have forums on there. You can, on the header menu, there's an option that says Regions. And if you click on it, right below that, it says Find Region. And you can just type your city and state or your city and country. And it should propagate anything close to you. And then you can join that region and you can interact with people near you and go to write-ins, which is where, much like Chris Beatty and the group did in 99, we meet at coffee shops, libraries. We're talking about Nikea write-in this year, and I'm going to call them soon and see if they would be against being invaded by a whole bunch of Remos writing on their couches because other places have done that, and it just sounds so cool. We all get ideas from each other. Just chilling out in Ikea writing a novel. What's better than that? Certainly better than Starbucks. <laughs> so just here at the end, the, what I would suggest to people is that I probably get 20 to 30 emails a week without exaggerating at all of people that are looking to find like-minded individuals, right? And everybody wants to put together prepper groups or permaculture groups or whatever. And what I always say is lead with the relationship. First, find people you like, and then of the people you like, when it comes to the things that you want to do, select from the people that you already have a relationship, and then go do those things with those people. And so the key then is finding ways to network. Well, this sounds like a fantastic way to meet lots of people with at least some common interest, and from that you may find you're really developing and building a network for many things. I mean, based on your experience, is that kind of how you would see it? Oh, yeah. I have gotten so much help on my writing work from other writers in Nano here in St. Louis. It's been amazing. Whenever I have research questions I can't answer or I need help with an edit, my friend Debbie, who writes Pause, is actually from England, and my novel Lady of the Night takes place in... Um, Victorian England during Jack the Ripper, it actually, the elevator pitch for that novel is what if Jack the Ripper was a vampire. So she's gone through and done historical edits of my work for me to make sure that, you know, how fast does a carriage go? Did satin exist in 1888? Were they gas lights or electric lights in 1888? And how did that work? And it's all these things that you don't think of when you're writing a rough draft and you shouldn't. Okay. Because it takes forever to do a historical edit of a historical piece. It's a mess. But, like, I've gotten help from her doing that, and she's introduced me to other writers and other writing groups. And I find it to be an excellent form of networking. And the people are all really cool. We're very inclusive. All of the events are free. I mean, it's... It is one of the most awesome communities next to TSP I have ever been in. And since we moved to MeWe, let me tell you, I love me some TSP. <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely is a better place. I I, I kind of feel like it's like, you know, when, when you have a family member die and you tell a kid they went to a better place, like when somebody disappears from Facebook <laughs> and they go to MeWe, you're like, well, what happened to him? Well, he went to a better place. <laughs> 
mean, like, so like I, I know there's people in this audience that don't get social media at all, and that's fine if you don't. But if you're if you're someone that uses social media, like I was on, I know this is unrelated, but I was on Twitter yesterday and posting some stuff there for people, and I see this thing that one of my people retweeted. So I look at it, it says this content, you know. Uh, maybe disturbing or some crap like that. Well, for whatever reason, it was hidden, and you have to click a thing to unhide it. And it was Trump who walked through a building, and some kid asked if they could have a picture with him. He goes, yeah, get here in front. And so he took a picture, and he said, well, I was happy to do that for you, and he left. That was That was literally the entire thing. And somebody somewhere needed it grayed out because they would be offended by it. And I'm like... I, I'm just done. I'm done with Twitter. I'm done with Facebook. The only reason I'm there at all is because I have thousands of people that follow me on both of them. So I have to put some stuff up there. But if you actually want to build relationships and networks and have control over your content, I, if I had found something better than MeWe, that's where I would have went. MeWe is a totally different world. And like I think like for writers groups and stuff like that, the tools are so much more powerful. Because like... So on Facebook with pages, or not pages, groups, you have to, like, create chats of people. Like, so we have, like, a moderator chat for, like, the TSP admin form so we can talk about who's getting banned. But there isn't a function where everybody in that group can participate in a group chat. And if there is, you have to have some degree in Scientology to figure it out or something. Where that just is there on MeWe. So we run those chats. So if you were doing a writer's group, or a local regional prepper group or something. I think that it is a much better platform from a technology standpoint. And if you wanted to be secure, they have like that pro option. It's like end-to-end -end encryption and everything. So like, I know we're just kind of throwing a MeWe infomercial in here, but you brought it <laughs> up. So like people, I think really should check it out. And I think if you have like, if you want to do like a family group or something, the fact that, When, you, when you're on there, I, people that have not tried it out yet, and I think this is why people, maybe when they first get on it, they don't like it. They join a bunch of groups and they don't see any other content because it's in their group's feed instead of their general feed, so they don't understand it. But once you know that, if you need to keep something running with a family, like you're not going through 800 posts to try to find the most recent update from a family group. You see the most recent update from a family group, where it belongs. So I really want to kind of preface that, like, If you guys are on MeWe, that's great. And anybody else, get your ass on MeWe, man, because it is just a better technological platform. Sorry to turn that into a MeWe infomercial, <laughs> but it, it really is. I love MeWe. Like, if people have questions and they actually want to talk to me in real time, I'm pretty sure you've noticed I, like, live in the MeWe chat. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah between do. MeWe and Zello, I live on both of those almost 24-7 because I'm a stay-at-home mom. So, except for during November, which is when Nano is, I spend a lot of time at home talking to a three-year-old. And I know you love your granddaughter, but can you imagine being alone with her all day? No. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it gets, it gets tiring not to have actual conversations. So I'm like, ooh, adults, talk adult to me, please, <laughs> please, something other than my little pony, please. <laughs> I mean, It, and that's part of the reason why I started doing National Novel Writing Month. I was in a very depressed state, and I mentioned it to my husband. He goes, 
we were dating at the time. And he's like, why don't you go out and try it? And this is before I even had a driver's license. So he had to take me to events. Okay. And he is an introvert. So like Leo Sinzello said, it's all Jason's fault. <laughs> this is all Jason's fault. And I am so thankful to him because it it really helped like me in so on so many different levels as a person who is an extrovert but suffers from social anxiety it really helps to be around people even when i'm freaking out it sounds so oxymoronic it really does but like i love it and i love being on miwi and nano is just it's an amazing thing and if you haven't tried it Try it. I mean, it's 30 days. You're writing for 30 days. At the end of it, you've got a block of time that you have carved out of your schedule that now you can fill with anything. You can fill with business stuff. You could build it with prepper stuff going through an inventorying like your pantry. You you can fill that time with anything after November. You can go, eh, writing. Not for me. And that's cool. It's not for everybody. Not everybody is a writer, and that is okay. But but we at Nano believe that the world needs your novel, and I believe that making an attempt at writing something that is important to you is really awesome. And I think anybody who has written any amount of words in November has won, because it is one of the hardest things that you can do to sit down and stare down that blank page and get anything down. Like, even if you don't technically win, if you don't get to see the video where everybody in headquarters is sitting there cheering you for winning, you, you've you still done something that's hard, or at least you have attempted to do something that's hard, and that will help you move forward to do, to do and try something else that's hard. And something that came up on the Monday MeWe chat, because we were talking about what to write and what kind of genre to write in. And I said, what I do is I write what I want to read. So I wanted to read a book about Jack the Ripper being a vampire. So I wrote it. <laughs> I mean, you don't write to the market because by the time you're done with that, market's left. Yeah, market's doing something else. Yeah, it, it's impossible to chase the market. You can't do it. And I know some people are like, no, I'm going to do this and I'm going to sell it. And I'm like, that's wonderful. Get published. Get an agent. Get or self-publish. For me, self-publishing seems to be a lot of work, and it's a lot of work I'd rather have somebody else do. So I'm much more of like the formal publishing person, but I know people who self-publish, and they do really, really well. I just It's too intensive for me with running a business to run two when it's basically I already have two full-time jobs, and if I fit in a third, I don't think I'd sleep at night anymore. But you just write what you want to read or... Write the genealogy of your family, something you wish that you could read. You can put it in a time capsule for your kids or grandkids, like you were talking about on Monday. Absolutely. You know, that's the thing that a lot of people could really do with this is write your story. Write your story. No one's going to probably buy it unless you get famous someday. But somebody's going to read it, and maybe somebody's going to read it decades after you're gone. I mean, Ray, imagine this. Imagine if someday somebody walked up to you and said, hey, I found this old notebook, 50,000-plus words, yellow and tattered. Uh, turns out your great-great-grandfather wrote this. Would you read it? Oh, goodness, yes. I right? think that and, would And then be it like would be priceless. Awesome. It would also be, like, it would be, like, you could take it to, like, the, what's that guy, Rick on uh, Pawn Stars, right? 
and, and, and go, well, what's this worth? You'd go, this isn't worth crap. Get out of here. But to you, <laughs> but to priceless. you, it would be priceless. So, you know, that's something that a lot of people could use this for because I'm telling you that, and this is, this is the case I've seen recently where things that had almost no value to family members, once the person connected to it is gone for a few years and they forgot about it, now it has value, right? Now they they want to read it, what have you. I, I right now, I'm trying, this is a weird thing that this links to, but maybe somebody out there can even help me with it. I've got one person working on it. I came across at a antique store some paperwork, and in it was a little bitty notebook, like a little like small one that you flip through with all kinds of wiring diagrams from a guy that was an electrician. And it looks like that's from the 60s, a little notebook, with another little like card book with it from 68. But then there's a book in it from military service from the same guy, same handwriting with a bunch of addresses and stuff on it from World War II, like oh 1940s. And... I, you know, like this stuff is not really valuable, but somehow it ended up with this other stuff at this antique mall. And this dude's originally from Connecticut. I was able to find his, because his social security numbers in there, because they didn't get freaked out about writing it down and stuff back then. So with that, I was able to find his date of death. He died in 97. I know this guy's got family out there somewhere. There is an heir somewhere that I want to find and say, hey, do you want this stuff? And I bet you when I find him, They're going to be like, yeah. So if somebody would want that, don't you think they would want, if this man had written a story of what it was like when he went through basic training? And I could tell from his social, from his uh, art, also his service number, because he used service numbers back then, his, his serial number, that he was a draftee, right? So this is why it all checks out. There's a code you can figure out, okay, this is a draftee from Connecticut, And so I know he was drafted out of Connecticut into the Army, served here, and then discharged here, and then died on this date. But I can't find his heirs yet. Like, if somebody had the story that went with that, don't you think they would really want to have it? So, like, if you're sitting in our audience right now and you're thinking, yeah, this thing's not really for me because I don't really want to write a novel or nothing, like, dude, write your story. Because even if no one gives a shit today someone's really going to care tomorrow. So I didn't know that we'd end up there, but that's kind of what you made me think about. Oh, yeah. And that's like when I sent in my um, interview form to you and you thought I was, well, I am a weirdo, but you <laughs> thought I would sound like left field weirdo. Now, who is exact this? words I told you. You're like, who is this? Like, and then I'm like, it's like, oh, this is, oh, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, we'll have it. <laughs> um, like, you, you probably didn't even think about these things. Like, I've got so much different things you can do i mean i know it's called national novel writing month yeah. and i write novels because that is what i do but i've been doing that for a super long time but you can do other things that will i think they need to change the name i think they have a branding crisis on their hands <laughs> no seriously like this should be national writing month i mean we just i mean you you say what you do and do what you say so like when i got this i'm like well it's only for novels so screw this i'm not gonna, oh it's ray okay yeah we'll have her on but like Like that, that would, a lot of people would just shut down and say, like, so, okay, this isn't for me. Nobody would have ever thought, like, so instead of writing a novel, I'm going to write my story for my heirs. Like, so, yeah, I think you got to talk to your people and tell them Jack Spirico said that they have a branding crisis. 
And they can I keep will, the name Sarah, of the, no. They can keep the name of the company for the non You don't have to redo that crap. But just like the, the front-end branding, like National Writers Month, unless somebody else has that, and then, like, screw them, take it anyway, because this is the best. <laughs> right? Like, that's I the know, way right? to go here. But, yeah, I'm going to advise people, like, like, get by and check this out. And if you know somebody that's been, like, talking about writing but not actually doing it, like, tell them about this. Get them involved. Get their ass on MeWe, too, and hook up with Ray and everybody else there and the rest of the TSP folks as well. And then you sent me, like, a book. Like, there's, like, 80,000 <laughs> words of links that are helpful. And so we're not going to go through all of those because nobody's going to oh, write no. them down because they're very long and you know, what have you. But what I'll do is I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes today for people as well so they can get on by. And let me make sure I got the number right in case you're listening to this in the future and we're speaking to you from the past. 2482 is the episode that you'll want to look up and uh, and check out all the links and, and get involved with this thing this year. And if it's, if it's really from the past, then I bet you since it's been going on so long, even if you're listening to this in 2020 or 2021, They'll be doing it every November. So get on board with it and do it and write your novel, write your story, write your genealogy, write whatever you want, but get on with it. And I, I loved your idea about if you make yourself do this, you're going to force yourself to organize your life in a way that gives you an hour a day to do something meaningful. And when November's over, that, that hour a day is now your gift to yourself. Now you take that hour a day and you apply it to working out or you apply it to building a garden or you apply it to working on your your preps or you apply it to building a business or, or whatever. Write your freaking business plan, man. All you people that are out there bitching about wanting a business. Like, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't know what to do. Take a month and write it all down, right? I mean, write 50,000 words. And if you end up with 40,000 words and you don't get your coupon book, but you get a successful business, guess what? You won, right? So... Like, I think this is an awesome topic, Ray, and, and I'm glad I had you on to talk about it today. Awesome. Thank you so much. And shameless plug, it's only 18 episodes to 2,500. Absolutely. Yeah, get on the jerk line. Call us and tell us why we're jerks over here and uh, be part of episode 2,500. Thanks for that. You're welcome, sir. Told you if you gave it a chance, it'd be a good interview, didn't I? Huh? Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of y'all might want to think about that, either coming up with all your documentation and using this challenge to get you through it, or possibly leaving that legacy for your family. Write your story. Uh, one thing I didn't get to say during that interview, I kind of was going to say it a couple times, I got distracted and never got it out. I think there's a lot of, there can be a lot of therapy in writing your story and going through it and processing it. And I think one of the things that's interesting, some of the stuff that I've written that's kind of autobiographical, when I go back and read it, I'm like, oh, yeah. And sometimes reading it in the future, uh, you know, reading it down the road helps you because what you were grabbing onto in the past you don't have anymore. You've kind of let go of it. And by bringing it forward, you either find that thing or you realize, hey, if I don't really, if this doesn't really bother me anymore, then maybe the things that are bothering me now don't bother me. That's why I think that, you know, they're not going to bother me in the future, so I'm going to be all right. I think that's one of the things that makes journaling really powerful. But a lot, you know, if you didn't journal and you're 50, right, you can't just go back and journal, but you can write that story. And I think it can be very cathartic. And again, I think you might be pr producing something uh, that in the future may end up being something priceless to your heirs. 
and it's really worth considering doing. All right, with that, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Let me remind you, I talked about the Members Brigade at the beginning of the show. The other way to support us, and the way that really costs you nothing out of pocket, is to do your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's just a sub-page of the website. You go there, if you start your shopping there, you help us no matter what you buy. And you can see all the stuff that I've reviewed over the years on Amazon, categorized into alphabetical categories. And if it's there, I own it. I spent my money on it. And if I needed it again, I will spend my money on it again. That's my thing. If I wouldn't spend my own money on it, and if I wouldn't buy it a second time, it does not go on T-SPAS. So here's the item of the day today. It's Bloom City's CalMag Growing Supplement. This is a calcium, magnesium, and liquid form that's immediately absorbable and available to your plants. The calcium deficiency is one of the number one uh, micronutrient deficiencies in vegetables and plants as a whole. And the problem that most people have is they'll supplement calcium without magnesium. And they're just like iron and zinc. If you give a plant calcium in the absence of magnesium, it can't use it. And if you give it magnesium in the absence of calcium, it can't use it. These two have to go together. They're twins. They're not twins, but they're, uh, they're more like cousins that have to be together to make the family reunion work. Okay, And you need a liquid form specifically if you have alkaline soils. Because what will happen is Tom is all happy, and Tom decides he's going to plant tomatoes. And Tom had lost some end rot last year because of def calcium deficiency in his tomatoes, and his leaves were all unhappy and yellow, and he figured that out. So he ran in a forum somewhere to crush up an eggshell, and since Tom keeps chickens, he's got lots of eggshells. So he crushes up an eggshell and puts it in the hole, and he plants his tomato, and he says, I don't want to be smart about this. Eggshells are free for me. So he crushes the second one and puts it on top. And he buries it and says, there's no way I'm going to have a calcium deficiency. Well, what happens is the soil is also deficient in magnesium. And even though there's a little bit in that eggshell, it's not quite the right ratio. But since he has alkaline soil, uh, it takes a long time for the calcium in those eggshells to actually become available to his plant. Then he doesn't even worry about calcium, so he figures he has a different problem. And he has bad results again, and he's unhappy and mad, and he stops growing tomatoes. Well, the truth is, again, it's down to that alkaline soil. It makes it very difficult to get calcium out of a solid form, especially if it's not something that's in uh, an immediate available form to begin with, like an eggshell. It's bound up with other elements. You use something like a CalMag supplement and liquid, it's there. You solve that deficiency. This is part of my seven-part uh, fertility program. And in the, the review today, you can look up everything in my... Um, my program. If you use it, you'll have the best results you've ever had, I promise you. And you don't have to use it all. I kind of, If you go through them, you can see the ones like, these are mandatory, and these are nice to have, and this is a little extra kick over the top. I would say fish, fish newer is the kick over the top. But if you followed me for a while, you know that I used to recommend a different CalMag supplement. And, and there's a lesson here to that couple, and I wanted to share them with you. Number one, sometimes something I, I link to in TSPAS goes away or changes. And sometimes it goes to an error page on Amazon, and then sometimes Amazon thinks they're helping, but, they, but they're not, and they redirect you to the closest thing they can think of. And my old product was redirecting to a rooting gel from the same company, Hydro Organics, that I used to recommend. So somebody alerted me to that today on MeWe, so I went to fix it. 
and I found that Hydro Organics indeed still does sell their CalMag supplement. It's just a different listing on Amazon now. When I went to fix it, I noticed they had raised the price $7 a bottle. And Bloom City has been my backup for when uh, Hydro Organics has gone out, you know, been out of stock because it does go out of stock a lot. And in, in using it, I've determined there is functionally no difference between the two. They work equally well. They're almost exactly the same chemically anyway. They're both bioavailable, and the Bloom City one is fairly priced, and now the Hydro Organics one is overpriced. So I can't, in good conscience, recommend you spend more money. So if you want to spend 20 bucks a bottle instead of $15, $14, you go ahead, but I don't see the advantage to doing it. Uh, I recommend you use this stuff. And then one other thing there is they do sell this in a gallon size, and if you buy it by the gallon, it costs about half as much per ounce. It makes a lot, though. One, one quart of this stuff is going to make you 32 to 64 gallons of supplement that you're going to use in a drench or a foliar feed. So that's a lot, and you may not need a gallon. I think it'll store just fine, though, so it's up to you. I've given you links to both of them. But just real quick, like if you are ever on T-SPAS and you click on one of my links and it says sold out or it says something's not there anymore or anything, let me know. Email me, jackofthesurvivalpodcast.com, TSPC in the subject line, and tell me the product and what you're looking for. I will find you a replacement, and I will update the listing. Okay? I mean, that's... That's my commitment to you. That's part of the service I provide uh, in exchange for you guys shopping T-SPATs to make sure that I give you the best recommendations that I can. With that, let's go ahead and, and talk about our song of the day and finish up here. Uh, song of the day is interesting to me that it came up today. I, I find it really interesting sometimes, the songs that match the episode, and this one in a totally weird way that I wouldn't even know about if I didn't read the song facts on it. Again, we're in John Denver week, and this song is Calypso. And um, I've always loved this song, not so much for its sound. It's okay. I mean, it's got that, uh, yeah, you know, that kind of ship shanty thing going on. I've always actually loved it because I like John Denver, and I loved Jacques Cousteau as a kid. See, when I grew up, we didn't have all these fancy cable channels. We had... We had like five, three, four, five channels, and we had to turn the antenna. We had a big, giant antenna on a pole, and I had to go out with a monkey wrench and turn and rotate the pole so the antenna changed a little bit to get two of the five channels we got. And one was, of course, PBS. And Jacques Cousteau's documentaries would come on PBS. And I, him and Marlon Perkins' band, they were the shit. I loved watching them. We didn't have no Shark Week like we're having right now on Discovery. We didn't have a flipping week. You waited, and finally one of these shows came on, and you got to see it. And so I always loved Jacques Cousteau, and, of course, Calypso was his ship. So I, I, I always kind of just liked this song because of Jacques Cousteau. Well, when I read the song facts on it, it turns out Denver had wanted to write a song about this ship and what Jacques Cousteau does for a long time. And he got, dun, 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 writer's block, just like we talked about today. He got writer's block. He went months trying to figure out the chorus for this song, trying to figure out the final words of this song. And he couldn't do it. John Denver could not write the song. One day he was skiing, and not water skiing, snow skiing in Colorado, probably somewhere near Denver. Funny that. And then on the ski slopes... It comes to him. 
what this song should be. So he skis his ass down the slope, bails out of the slope, and runs home and writes the song before it fades off into the ether of nothingness that happens for creative people all the time. Ask me how I know. So that's where the song, so I thought it was cool because it fits a show. But here's the other thing I love about this, this song and a lot of what John Denver did. John Denver died way too young. On some levels, though, maybe it's better off, I, I don't know, for him not to be here in the middle of the crap that it goes around environmentalism was so important to him. John Denver was an environmentalist when almost every single person in this country was receptive to the concept of environmentalism. Before the days of everything is global warming and global warming is everything except now it's climate change that so really is everything and therefore it's all about the air you exhale. That's why I hate the whole global warming debate so much. It has ruined environmentalism. It has alienated over half of the people who are on board with fixing all the environmental problems we have by actually fixing the environmental problems we have at their root cause in the way that almost everybody with a brain can agree to. That was the 80s. That's what I grew up with. That's why I love the environment, and I actually am an incredible environmentalist, even though I don't believe in the hype and the doomsday scenarios, and we only have 12 years to fix the planet before the world ends and the whales come out of the ocean and eat us. I'm still a huge environmentalist. And if tomorrow it came out that that was all fake and everybody accepted it, I'd still be a huge environmentalist. And I'd still want to fix the actual problems. And what Jacques Cousteau discovered and was able to prove was a lot of the problems that pollution was causing in the ocean when everybody realized there were problems, but it realized those problems. And that was a big reason that John wrote this song. And Denver was really good at bringing groups of people together that otherwise were not together. I'd like to see that spirit come back to the world of environmentalism and to many other things as well. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tougher, even if they don't. I sailed on a dream on a crystal clear ocean To ride on the crest of a wild raging storm To work in the service of life and the living In search of the answers to questions unknown To be part of the movement Part of the growing Part of beginning To understand I could have saw the places you've been to The things that you show us The stories you tell I could have saw I sing to your spirit Like the dolphin 
guide you, you bring us beside you, light up the darkness and show us the way. For though we are strangers in your silent world, to live on the land we must learn from the sea. To be true as the tide, and free as a windswell, joyful and loving in letting it be.